Dr. Isaac Dial Zero. The Brent Community Healthcare System presents Hospital Insider, the podcast. Your host is Gary Chalk, the retired director of public affairs for the Brandt Community Healthcare System, a newspaper columnist, and former radio broadcaster. The podcast features conversations with members of the medical staff, the caregivers, volunteers, the leadership team, and donors of the Brantford General Hospital and the Willett Hospital in Paris. Listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast, will inform and educate you about hospital care. So please share this podcast with your family and friends and encourage them to subscribe as well. Remember, if it has to do with hospital care in Brantford, Paris, and throughout Brant County, we will talk about it on Hospital Insider, the podcast. Welcome everyone to episode number four of Hospital Insider, the podcast. I'm Gary Trock. Our guest today in the studio is Dr. David McNeil, the president and CEO of the Brandt Community Healthcare System. Welcome, David. Nice to be here, Gary. Good stuff. It was a year ago that David arrived, took the helm of the Brantford General, the Willett Hospitals, to steer the Brandt Community Healthcare organizations into the future. Began his career in healthcare as a nurse, graduating from Laurentian University. Later, David earned his master's degree in health administration from the University of Ottawa, also has a PhD in rural and northern health. Before coming to Brantford, Dave worked at the uh, Health Sciences North in Sudbury, senior vice president, served as the chief nursing officer and vice president. As senior vice president, he was responsible for patient experience and digital transformation. So let's go back to your childhood. You're a Northern Ontario boy. Yes, I am. I was born in Timmins and uh, spent most of my life in uh, Sudbury, Ontario. You're now married. Your wife is a nurse. My wife's a nurse, and we actually um, went to Laurentian University to school together um, to, to get our nursing diplomas and our degrees. So did you graduate at the same time? We did. And you went to the same hospital right after? Um, we both went up uh, to Attawapscat, Ontario uh, together, and we both nursed there for just a little over a year. That must have been an incredible experience. It was, uh, it was a great learning experience, and it was a wonderful experience to live within the community of Attawapiskat, Ontario. Of course, very different, uh, very isolated uh, community. Is that in part what wanted you to go back and take your PhD? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always had an interest in, in northern Ontario and, and rural health, and having had that uh, formative experience, I, I did have a passion to go back and, and learn and contribute back to um, the knowledge. Of, of northern and rural health. You're now married and one of your sons, you have three boys, one is a resident physician? Yes, he's in his first year residency at the Northern Ontario School of Medicine. He did his medical degree at uh, Ottawa University. Um, and I have two other boys and uh, one grandchild. Excellent, keeps you busy. Keeps me busy and grounded. Yes. You're, uh, why did you want to become a nurse? Um, you know, it was one of those things where I went for a year of university. I actually did a year here in, uh, down in southern Ontario, McMaster, and thought, you know, what is what is a degree in science actually going to give me? And um, and made the decision that uh, I would apply in, for nursing and because uh, I knew I could get a job. Yes. And, uh, and then it was a profession that interested me. So um, I decided to take that path. So you became a nurse. How, how many years approximately were bedside nursing? So I bedside nursed um, uh, up until about 1995, so a little over uh, five years of frontline, uh, providing frontline uh, care. After my master's degree, I went back and was a frontline nurse for a few years um, as, as well. 
Um, and it was a it was a great foundation on which to to build my um, my later uh, positions and careers in administration because I had a good understanding of of what it was to be a frontline healthcare professional. You bring a lot of experience, hands-on experience to leadership. So, so what motivated you to move more towards the the boardroom or, or wherever from a leadership perspective as opposed to nursing? Well, I think it was a combination of both opportunity and and positioning um, myself in a way that I could make a broader contribution to uh, to organizations and to the uh, healthcare system. I have a strong desire to to learn, um, but I also wanted to contribute to the health system in a different way, in a way that was, um, you know, had broad broad system impact. So. Uh, that's why I made the decision to move into administrative roles and uh, had a wonderful career since. At Health Services North, you're responsible for patient experience. Des- describe, I'm sure it has something based on your experience as a nurse, but what is patient experience? So the portfolio was um, a nice way to talk about uh, being responsible for all the clinical services that were uh, at Health Sciences North. Health Sciences North is an academic health science centre and it serves all of uh, northeastern Ontario. So I had responsibility for all clinical programs. So it was really those clinical programs that drove the patient uh, the patient experience. And patient experience is really related to how patients feel about the health care that they got, how satisfied with the health care uh, that they would uh, receive. Uh, so that portfolio is responsible for that. And of course, the digital transformation was really about uh, moving uh, the health system forward in terms of an electronic medical record. We've heard about digital transformation, specifically the electronic health record for many years in, in general. Are we, how far down that path are we? Because I still hear stories of people aren't connected with their providers. I think the health system's in a very, what I would call a mixed position as it relates to electronic uh, health records. Many organizations are still very reliant on uh, paper processes. Um, most are probably have a combination of both paper processes as well as electronic processes. And that would be the experience at the Brant Community Healthcare System and a very similar experience at Health Sciences North. I think everybody recognizes the need for uh, us to move to an electronic means. Uh, healthcare is about getting the information to healthcare providers so that they can make the next clinical decisions along your uh, care continuum or our care continuum. Um, so it's really going to be a, a key enabler uh, as we uh, think about healthcare systems into the future. When I think of digital transformation and the progress of connecting the, uh, the chart, is it acceptable? Are we connected with the chart with the various providers? So, for example, a patient at the Brantford General of the Willet, um, they come into ER, the urgent care, have some procedure done. That's recorded electronically. Is that connected to the other providers, back to their family physician, or perhaps further down the road if they have to seek care from other people? Through through a means that is connected, um, it's, uh, we don't have what we would call fully interactive healthcare. We can view other healthcare records uh, through Healthcare Connect. It's a service that's provided provincially. Um, and those professionals who subscribe to Healthcare Connect can see patient information, um, whether if they're getting labs done at a, a private lab or in a hospital lab. Uh, those organizations that are connected to Healthcare Connect, uh, healthcare providers can view it. But we don't have a fully integrated electronic health record across the system yet um, where healthcare providers can actually interact with that record. 
So as we record this podcast, it's uh, mid-December. It's been pretty well one year that uh, David has been here as the president of the CEO of the Brant Community Healthcare System. Many topics we'd like to uh, cover through the uh, interview today, everything from the finances, the deficit that unfortunately the organization had that you inherited, uh, the emergency department, everybody talks about an ER care, it seems no matter where they are. Uh, the Willard Urgent Care Center, Hallway Medicine. There, I know there's a, a lot of effort for a new strategic plan. Um, the new master plan is going to be unveiled soon. But let's start, first of all, with the newspaper article back in March of this year. Vincent Ball, the reporter at the Expositor, wrote that you described your first three months as 90 days of listening and that the BCHS was on the right track. Those 90 days of listening, what did you hear? Well, I think I heard many things around the Brant, from the Brant Community Healthcare System staff, the volunteers, uh, the physicians, the community. Um, first, what I heard was, or what I saw was the Brant Community Healthcare System has uh, lots of good people. I was amazed at the volunteers and the dedication of the volunteers. Uh, the staff and the physicians were, were all positive. Uh, they were wanting change. Um, they were wanting to see things uh, being different. Um, and so there was a lot of, of great energy. What I also saw, though, was an organization that had some pretty significant challenges that needed rebuilding. Um, the financial systems for years had not had attention paid to them. So it was about rebuilding a budget process and establishing financial controls within the organization. The organization had gone through a very difficult uh, lean journey to look at improvement and uh, every organization needs an improvement methodology. Uh, so we decided that we needed to focus our improvement methodology on the accreditation and accreditation standards. They're national standards against which we can compare other hospitals or other healthcare organizations. And it's a standard against which we can measure ourselves and then uh, provide the community assurances that, uh, um, that we're providing good care and quality care that meets a national standard. And we, we actually had an accreditation, two accreditation visits in the course of the last year, one last March as a, as a sort of a one-day check-in. And uh, this November, we had a three-day accreditation from November 18th to the 21st. And I can happily say that uh, we achieved compliance with 96.8% of Accreditation Canada's standards. So that really uh, is a testament to the quality of service that's provided. And we're just waiting right now as we, as we record this for our final uh, accreditation designation. Excellent. That's a, that's a good report, particularly from where where it was a year ago, perhaps. A year ago, it was. it's no surprise, a $17 million deficit, I believe. And I'm sure that, uh, as you said, there's been a lot of reviews of the finances and the reporting structures. and stuff. Where Where is the deficit today? Yeah, so maybe I'll just give a background a bit on the history of the, the organization. It's had uh, ran seven years of, of deficits, ranging, ranging from anywhere from uh, just a little over a million dollars to well over seven million dollars. Um, at the end of last fiscal year, we um, in March 2019, uh, the organization ended the year with uh, with a deficit of about 3.4 million dollars. Uh, this year, we're on track uh, to uh, for an operating deficit. Uh, before building depreciation of about $1.8 million. We're actually ahead of target right now as we speak. Um, and uh, so that's good news. So fiscally, we have uh, achieved some organize, uh, some control. And we continue to have conversations with the Ministry of Health around the appropriateness of funding for the Brant Community Healthcare System because the organization is an organization that is uh, very efficient, 
compared to other hospitals that are of similar size and provide similar scope of services, our cost per episode of inpatient care is lower um, than average and lower than most hospitals in, uh, in Canada. Uh, and for sure lower than uh, most hospitals in, in the province of Ontario. So we continue to have that conversation around appropriateness of, of funding with the, the Ministry of Health. Uh, but we also look at our efficiency on a regular basis. So not only are we trying to get good financial control, uh, we look at our operating efficiency and we compare uh, at a departmental level how efficient each department is compared to similar departments across the uh, the province. We actually... Uh, work with an organization that takes the trial balances from the Ministry of Health and compares us on a, um, every two quarters uh, with the rest of the hospitals in the province. So the team is developing a great deal of sophistication around how we um, uh, manage our budgets, uh, but also how we measure our financial performance. Probably safe to say, David, that most hospitals or acute care hospitals, at least in Ontario, operate at either capacity or, or perhaps even above as far as the number of inpatient uh, beds that they have and the patients that are occupied in them. A couple of reasons for this, not trying to put words in your mouth, but are the high volume of patients in the hospital emergency department, but also the lack of beds outside in the community for patients once they're discharged. So as a result, these patients become residents that they're they're in the hospital longer than perhaps the, the amount of services that they're consuming if they need to have preferred, uh, provided by an acute care hospital and that's that hallway medicine uh, aspect but just before we get to that let's talk about the emergency department 58,000 patients a year or so are coming to the the Brantford General I know that recently number of months ago a see and treat area was was uh, was opened I know specifically my, my mother-in-law was was in the emerge a number of months ago and within two hours she was in and out after going through that she'd seen the physician twice went out with uh, a revised medication and uh, was off and running the ER faces tremendous challenges though yes um, emergency departments across the province are facing significant uh, demand pressures um, those demand pressures are just coming from population growth from an aging population um, the proportion of uh, elderly within our population is increasing, but but so is just the headcount. As our population grows, the number of seniors that are within our population just continue to grow, and they put significant demands on the population. Um, we do have pockets of, of uh, health status differences within our populations as well, and Brantford um, in particular does have some uh, significant health um, health issues in terms of its population health compared to other populations in the province of Ontario. So we see uh, demands in chronic diseases, uh, some addictions related issues uh, that come through our emergency department, all of which provides uh, our places pressure on the emergency department. We're seeing significant growth um, in the areas of two to three percent uh, annually. We will probably uh, before the end of the this uh, fiscal year, March 2020, hit over 59,000 visits at our uh, Brantford site, and it's a high acuity, um, those are high acuity visits, so our emergency department can be measured in terms of the acuity of patients and very high acuity patients. And we'll see over 20,000 visits at our urgent care center at the Willet, so we're seeing a lot of, of uh, urgent uh, or emergent patients at the Brantford Community Healthcare System. Is there a good correlation between the operation of the emergency department at Brantford General and the, the urgent care center at the Willet? Vis-a-vis, -vis, I'm thinking of patients making the right choice initially. 
Yeah, patients are uh, doing an amazing job at self-selecting which uh, site that uh, they need to go to. If there is issues and patients do show up to the Willet site and they need more advanced care, we get them in an ambulance and get them over to the um, uh, Brantford General site so that they can get the appropriate uh, care that's required. Speaking with a couple of the physicians of the urgent care, they described it as this jewel in Ontario that there's a lot of services that are available at that urgent care department right there that 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 enhance the care the patient receives. There's lab, there's there's very di- various diagnostic modalities, etc. So it's really a good first choice for that certain sector of patients if they're going to consider going for hospital care. Yeah, and 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 you know we're trying to work with our partners to make sure that in primary care patients are well connected to primary care providers because I do think in terms of continuity the best primary the best care that one can get is through a primary care provider where there's good continuity of care but for for those of us who can't schedule that appointment when we need that appointment then the urgent care center is providing us a a full service uh, um, a service that uh, enables us to actually diagnose and. Um, and where required, treat the patient and get them on their way. We spoke about hallway medicine being an issue across uh, many jurisdictions. Is it a significant problem here in Brantford? Yes, it is. Um, every day we're, sp- we're facing significant surge pressures, um, both within our emergency department and in our inpatient areas, particularly in medicine. We're functioning, uh, particularly as you move into the winter months, uh, significant surge pressures where we're, occupancy rates are well over 110%, some days approaching 115% in terms of some of when we're surging in terms of our occupancy level. So yes, hallway medicine is, is a challenge in Brantford. It's a challenge uh, across Ontario, particularly in medium-sized to larger-sized hospitals. And I guess really it, it, when you have perhaps 50 or 60 patients who are in the hospital looking actively through their caregivers for care outside of the hospital, but it does not exist, and they remain at Brantford General, it just goes down, now the emergency room gets trapped. Right, and and it's really about flow. It's like if all the beds are filled in a hotel room, it's the same thing if all the beds are filled in the hospital. So how do we address hallway medicine, short-term and long-term? I know that I've uh, talked with uh, members of staff, and uh, they talk about going to bed flow meetings. I remember when I was there, we were talking about bed flow meetings. I hear often that it's a case, well, you have to have more long-term care beds, nursing home beds in the community. You can't snap your fingers and have those arrive overnight. So what's the short-term fix if the long-term fix, and the government has announced more more long-term care beds in Ontario and in Brant, what's the short-term fix? Yeah, well, the short-term fix are we have to... We have to make sure that we're doing all of the things that we can do and do them well. That is looking at the length of stay of our our patients, ensuring that we're coordinating good discharge and transitions with our community care providers, and making sure that we're making good connections with our primary care providers. Part of the work that uh, the Brantford Community Healthcare System is doing with our community partners is work on the Ontario Health Team, and that is really working with community partners to try to prevent admissions to the hospital, Uh, working with primary care to uh, try to coordinate uh, good access and good handoffs uh, from the hospital so that we're using hospital resources efficiently. We are going to have to look at some interim measures for transitional bed capacity. And again, we're working with government on uh, trying to uh, get additional uh, transitional uh, bed capacity. And and that's uh, very similar to services that we would operate today at the Willett site where we have a 32-bed uh, transitional care unit. But it's really 
thinking about those those opportunities and and where those opportunities might also reside within uh, within the community because those are the mechanisms that we're going to require in the short term because long term care beds are going to take us several years to get up and running exactly. Shortly after uh, David arrived, the new strategic plan was uh, considered for the healthcare system. What is a strategic plan for a for a, a large hospital, given all the plates you're trying to spin, um, where, do you, where do you start? What is it trying to accomplish? Well, the strategic plan is really uh, there to identify what the, what the vision for the hospital is, what the mission for the hospital is, what the values, what the core values of the hospital are that we're going to operate by. But more importantly, it really outlines our you know, key goals over the next five years and the outcomes that we want to achieve. And the purpose of having a strategic plan is really to align the organization. And the process of developing the strategic plan is as important as the outcome of the strategic plan. So we did an extensive engagement process with our community. Um, We began that process in April, and we are just getting ready to launch our strategic plan. We'll be uh, ready to launch it in February of 2020. In developing the strategic plan, we had well over 1,000 contacts in the discovery phase. And after drafting a strategic plan, we went out back out to the community and to other providers and internal staff and physicians and volunteers and had that validated by over 500 people as well. So the strategic plan's there just to provide the guidance for the organization and alignment. You've had a lot of experience with strategic plans over the years. Is there any concern that it'll, that it'll ever just get put on the shelf and that's it? Or, or is it something that really is a living document that perhaps changes or is something that, that staff and physicians and volunteers are aware of going forward through their job? Well, one of the key functions of the board of the hospital, which uh, is new now, it's as of August 2019, we have a new board. Uh, board chair is uh, Mr. Paul Emerson. Um, and... What the board's responsibility is, is to hold me as CEO accountable for the strategic plan. So uh, very similar to the goals that the board's established for me this year. Every month I have to report on the progress of those goals and I'll have to report every month for the next five years on the progress of the strategic plan. A strategic plan can never be seen as being static. Uh, We're going to have to respond to the changing needs of their environment and our health system over the next uh, five years. It's a fairly dynamic system. So constant evaluation of of the relevancy of our strategic plan and the progress that we're making on our strategic plan will be the function of the board and the board providing that oversight uh, um, to me as the CEO and for me as the CEO to the rest of the organization. Another exciting initiative underway, which will be unveiled soon, is the the development or at least the uh, the uh, may be made public of the new master plan. Describe a master plan. What what what's its importance for the hospital? So the master plan really outlines the future uh, physical redevelopment of the Brantford community healthcare system. So it's it's really about what is the hospital going to re- be redeveloped to look like over the next uh, 20 years and how is that hospital going to service the community for the next 50 to 100 years. Um, and so it's both a, a document that is pragmatic and brand- uh, bound in today, but also very visionary in thinking about how is the health system and community going to evolve and how are we going to meet those those needs. So it, it outlines the, the number of beds that the organization is going to require, 
uh, it outlines the services that are going to be within that organization over the next, uh, say, 20 years, gives the physical uh, space requirements. And the master plan is really the document that outlines where the building, buildings are going to be sited. Um, and then, of course, from all of that information around the uh, the space requirements, et cetera, architects begin to design a building. And as we know, the Brant Community Healthcare System in many parts is in significant need of redevelopment. I assume it's not made in isolation with no involvement or sign off by the Ministry of Health? No, it's, and, and, it's, and, and it's a process that engages the community. So we have a steering committee, a master planning steering committee uh, that is overseeing the work of the master plan. It's made up of our community leaders that are providing a uh, very broad level advice. Our mayors of both Brant County and, and Brantford, uh, our MPP, uh, our MP, our former Speaker of the House, our chair of our board uh, chairs that, our chair of our foundations, a member of that. We have uh, patient family advisors, um, as well as the executive director of our foundation. And we have representatives from both of uh, the Indigenous community, Six Nations, and Mississaugas of the Credit, all providing us with strategic advice and oversight around what are the physical redevelopment needs of the Brant Community Healthcare System and how are we going to meet our community's needs as we think about the next 20 to 50 years. It's going to be exciting. When can we expect it to, be, to become public? Well, the goal right now is that uh, this, um, the master plan will be presented to the board on its meeting on January the 28th, at which time we will begin conversations with the community about what decisions we've made and, and have more broader community consultations. But it's going to be important that we have a, one single voice for our community and uh, getting the master plan and getting uh, the agenda for Brantford on the table of the Minister of Health and, uh, and, and the Premier uh, to make sure that uh, Brantford isn't uh, overlooked uh, when it comes to hospital redevelopment. An exciting time. Physician recruitment, don't seem to hear too much about it these days. I think we're doing better perhaps. You may differ, but uh, where are we locally with recruiting physicians to come to Brantford and Brant County? Yeah, so what I can talk about is uh, physician recruitment, particularly for hospital-based physicians. I can tell you that uh, we've been very successful at recruiting uh, hospital-based physicians, that is orthopedic surgeons, uh, general internal medicine, physicians, general surgeons, all who practice uh, within the hospital. Uh, I do think we still have some concerns within our community around uh, recruiting of family uh, physicians. We know that we have a number of key retirements uh, coming into the future in terms of uh, many of our GPs or family physicians who have significantly large practices and uh, ensuring that uh, those patients that uh, can be get coverage from a new family physician uh, I know is work that is being done through our hospital recruitment uh, office as well as the City of Brantford and Brant County. One of the areas in the organization I know that you've, uh, you've uh, spent considerable time is the mental health department. Can you talk about, I think there's some physical changes to the department and to the facility? Yeah, so one of the uh, items that came through the uh, investigator's report and uh, the supervisor that the Brant Community Healthcare System had was the poor state of the mental health inpatient area. We're uh, right now in progress of making some changes uh, to that inpatient area and improving the safety of that, uh, of that facility. Um, and we anticipate that those will be completed uh, in early February of 2020. And what we'll have is enhanced space for patients with uh, mental illness that have to be admitted on an inpatient basis and uh, some spaces that will be, or space that will be much more safe uh, for staff and patients as they're in that facility. 
the organization, the Branford General and uh, the Willett, is uh, an affiliated teaching site of McMaster University's School of Medicine, the DeGroote School of Medicine. That's important. Can you talk about what, what that brings to the organization and perhaps specifically to the patient? Yeah, so I think it's important that, um, you know, academics, whether it be nursing, whether it be PSWs, whether it be uh, other uh, student placements in uh, business or communications, th those are all things that the Brant Community Healthcare System uh, ensures that we're, we're playing a role in educating our future generation. Uh, medicine is a very important aspect of development of healthcare professionals, and it really creates, uh, helps create a, a culture of learning. It also helps us to, uh, keeps us all on the toes, our toes, to actually ensure that we're bringing in uh, leading practices uh, within the organization. The academic mindset, as I say, creates a very positive, inquisitive environment that ensures patient safety and quality is, is that we're continuing to push the bar on patient safety and quality. And it also brings a number of medical students to Brantford. It brings medical students to Brantford. We generally have 12 residents uh, at any one time within the hospital um, through, through the Family Practice Residency Program, most often many more, doing placements of various sorts uh, through the organization. So not only does it create an environment that is, that is positive and one that uh, strengthens the learning culture, it also provides an opportunity for recruitment so that it, patients um, that get cared for residents get the, and the residents get the opportunity to, to see what kind of work they can uh, potentially do here in Brantford. And uh, many of the medical learners who also do placements at uh, the Brant Community Healthcare System and interacting with them have spoke very positively about the experiences they get at Brantford because it's a bit smaller. You're not competing with so many learners as you do in, a, in our larger academic centers get a little bit more attention. So it is a very positive learning experience for them. You mentioned as part of the development of the strategic plan and the master plan that you've been consulting with a wide uh, audience of people, including our, our, our neighbors um, from Six Nations. What are you trying to accomplish? I know you've reached out to them. What are you really trying to accomplish in enhancing the care that we can provide? And they have some special needs. You have some hands-on experience with that. So I think some of what I have heard about the care that's being provided at uh, Brantford General or about the care that was being provided at uh, uh, Brantford Community Healthcare System was the care wasn't culturally safe for Indigenous people. They didn't fe feel comfortable uh, at times with the care that was being provided. So what we're trying to endeavour to do is to work with our Indigenous population. Uh, we've created uh, an Indigenous Cultural Safety Committee and the work that we've been doing over the last year is, is, is a lot of listening and a lot of learning um, and trying to, to work to create a hospital and a hospital system that is culturally safe for Indigenous people to receive care. We have a long way to go. Uh, we have much to learn. I have much to learn about how we do that work better, but it's a journey that we're on. Uh, we're in the process of providing cultural awareness training and uh, to uh, our staff in some key areas of mental health, the emergency department, and our birthing center. And the work of the Indigenous Cultural Safety Committee is, is staff-led. Uh, I sit on that uh, committee, and we ha have representation from uh, Indigenous staff as well. Uh, that committee uh, generally um, meets out on uh, on either the, the new credit territories or the Six Nations territories, 
uh, and occasionally we have it at the at the hospital. So it's been a learning experience, and it's work that we will continue to do. So while you're working at strengthening the relationship with the care provided for our, our, our native neighbors, you also have the CEO Patient Family Advisory Committee, and I'm assuming that's to, to get more of a voice on the experience of patients through patients and their family members? Yeah, so the patient voice and patient experience is what drives uh, quality and what is going to, to drive care into the future. Clearly, we need to engage our patients and our families because we need them to be uh, participants in the care. Uh, they need to uh, understand how they can actually uh, help themselves through better self-care and self-management and how we can better design health services to better meet the needs of patients from a patient lens rather than from a provider lens. Health systems for, for many years have been divided, developed with that provider lens and, and we're really trying to shift the focus to get to a much more patient-focused lens as we think about the development and evaluation of health services. We've uh, covered a lot of territory here today. One last topic is Ontario health teams. Under Premier Ford, the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care, they've put out a call. They want to change the emphasis away from local health integration networks and become more local with what they're calling Ontario health teams. And as we record the podcast today, there's probably 15 or so that have been just announced in the past week or so. Can you tell me what a, a health team is in theory? Well, what the health team is supposed to do in theory is improve the health of the population. I think more practically, it is to provide health care to a very uh, geographically defined population and we to be working in partnership with other providers to do that. So the patient experience is one of seamless uh, care and care that is continuous and coordinated. It's trying to move the health system from uh, care that's generally provided in sort of an isolated way by individual practitioners or organizations, and at times uh, intermittent to care that's continuous and coordinated. Where are we with regards to an application to provide health team service? Yeah, so Brantford is, and Brant County is in the development stage. We have 12 signatories to our Ontario health team, and um, we're very uh, positive that uh, we will, uh, within the summer of 2020, probably see an announcement of an Ontario health team. I know that's a bold statement, but the work that I've seen partners do together uh, has been amazing work and very collaborative work. So I am very optimistic that Brantford and Brant County will see an Ontario health team soon. That's very encouraging. So as we wrap up, it's become a tradition on uh, the podcast that we play around with this and that. I ask the questions, you haven't seen them, and we just want to learn a little more about you. That said, it'll be your first response, perhaps, or first uh, top, of, uh, top of mind. So are you ready? I'm ready. I'll make it up. Okay, here we go. So we're recording this podcast, what, two weeks shy of, uh, of New Year's. So first question, New Year's Eve, would we see you wearing a tuxedo, attending a, a big uh, big bash, or perhaps at home or with uh, a small family friend or with friends? Uh, you would see me at home with small family and friends. Vacationing, summertime or wintertime, or both? I actually, we, we, we vacation mostly in the summertime. My wife and I love our, uh, we have a nice trailer and we love camping in our trailer. Any favorite spot to go camping? Uh, we love Quebec. Sports. I think you ride a bike? I ride a bike and I swim. And you swim. And, and in the wintertime when I can get back to northern Ontario, I love a long cross-country ski. Do you drive a car or a truck? I drive a truck. Tim Hortons or Starbucks? Uh, Starbucks. 
If you weren't in healthcare, what might you be doing? Uh, probably renovating people's houses. Isn't that interesting? Because that comes to my last question. He hasn't seen this. Uh, shortly after you were hired, I know you purchased a house uh, here in Brantford. Are you a home hand? You must be a home handyman. You're not like me who uses a hammer to change a light bulb. No, I'm a, I love home renovations. What is it about it that you find particularly? If I don't do home renovations, I just work. <laughs> so we know where you are when you're not at work. You're at home working. You've been listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast. This has been episode number four. We've titled it on uh, online, What is the Future of Our Local Healthcare? With Dr. David McNeil, President and CEO of the Brand Community Healthcare System. You've been in the, uh, in the area for a year. Uh, I know everyone appreciates the leadership, your commitment to working together to build a, a healthier community for all of us and throughout Brantford and Brant County. Thanks, David, and let's have you back sometime. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast, a presentation of the Brandt Community Healthcare System. Hospital Insider, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting forum. Please press subscribe, and you will always be up to date with Hospital Insider, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please pass it along to your friends. Encourage them to subscribe as well. It's appreciated. In two weeks, we'll return with a new episode of Hospital Insider, the podcast with Gary Chalk. Thank you for listening. I'm Sandy Bishop.